everyone. Welcome to Sunday Gathering. My name is Annie, for those of you who don't know me, and I serve as one of the Simple Church Regional Directors at McMaster. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm so glad to be with you over this long weekend, getting to share the word. So over the past few weeks, we have been going through the Book of Acts. Um, we're going through the Book of Acts because of our daily devotions. So we have actually, let me grab my copy, created a book um, called Daily Devotions, where we're helping our church be more in the Word. So, um, yeah, to grow our dependency in Jesus and to get to know Him better. So today we are in Acts 4, uh, 32 to 37, which is uh, was on Monday, as uh, Daily Devotion Passage. So today here at Sunday Gathering on the stream, we get to expand and dive deeper to what it means to uh, apply it to our church. So to give you some context, Acts is written by Luke, which is one of uh, Jesus's disciples. So it's really the story of founding the Christian church. Um, so prior to uh, Jesus's ascension, after he resurrected from the dead, Jesus spent time uh, with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of Jesus, of God, promising that the disciples that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower them in their ministry. So when the Holy Spirit comes, the apostles are directed to go and live on mission, to go to be witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria, the neighboring regions full of non-Jewish people, and also to the ends of the earth. So why don't we dive in Acts 4, 32 to 37, and you should see it on the screen. It says, now... The entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all who uh, all of those who owned land or houses sold them, bought, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnab Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Why don't we pray before we get started? Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's alive and applicable to us today. I pray that you would humble our hearts to hear what you have to say to our church. I pray that we would recognize that you deserve all the glory and that um, we get um, and have such a privilege to um, be on mission with you. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see what it means to be a church on mission, what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that we would go do likewise to see people um, know you and know your name. I pray this in your name. Amen. So you might be thinking, um, didn't we just hear this passage um, last week? And the answer is yes, but... 
the author Luke made it a point to write about it twice. So last week we talked about Acts 2. Um, it says the generous and growing church, but um, he writes it again um, in Acts 4. So because Luke wrote it twice, it was worth talking about it again. So last week, for those of you who missed it, um, we broke down what it means to be an Acts 2 church. That section calls it a generous and growing church. So we went through what we call the everyday practices, which are important practices that we as a church should be living out in our daily lives. So listing them, the first one is spiritual hunger, desiring to be close to God. The second, church at the center, which really means church family at the center of our lives. Intentional proximity, which means choosing to live close to our church family and our mission field. Open home, uh, that our doors and lives are open to others. Sacrificial living, we live sacrificially for others so that they can see and know Jesus. And the last is passion for the lost, desiring to see Jesus, desiring others to see Jesus. So these practices are vital for our lives um, as people on mission for Jesus. We intentionally and strategically build our lives so that we can maximize the kingdom impact. This is how we live. As we read um, a similar passage here today as we did last week, Understanding that the emphasis that Luke has put on the theme of how we as followers of Jesus should live, I wanted to break down that the, that the, these themes of how we live and specifically today talk about how we live and what people are involved as we are living on mission. So the first point, if you're taking notes, um, before we do that, I wanted to highlight that we have a sermon section notes in your daily devos. If you don't have one, please talk to your simple church leader. They would love to get one for you. And shout out to Sophia Paquette for doing that and suggesting that in our daily devos. So if you are taking notes, the first point is how we live on mission. As Sorry, how we live as people on mission is with one another. So it says, now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart, one mind, and no one claimed any of his possessions was his own. But instead, they held everything in common. When we are living on mission, we are not doing it alone. We do it with one another. So when we talk about church at the center, we are talking about the people. We don't say that this, this event right now is church, but church is the body of believers. That's why we try not to say um, welcome to church because us, we, you and I, we are the church. So church at the center, like I mentioned before, really means church family is at the center of our lives. By the blood of Christ, we have been invited to a new family, his family. That is why we are missing the mark when we think we're able to follow Jesus as an individual pursuit, 
We have to do it in community and with other believers. So it says we are to live on mission with one another. But how are we to do that? So if we go back to verse two, uh, verse 32, Luke puts it very clear here. It says the entire group of those who believed, those who followed Jesus were of oneness. All believers were one, unified. They were on the same page. Even so that they were of one heart, mind, and hold, held everything in common. So what does it mean to be of one mind, one heart? I was looking up the Greek, and there was a phrase that came up, um, and it was perfect agreement of heart and soul. Their thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purpose, endeavors were in perfect agreement. As followers of Jesus, we die to ourselves, our desires, our purposes, our own endeavors, and pursue Jesus. It says in Luke 9, 23, If anyone wants to follow me after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross daily, and follow me. We become one with the entire group, the entire group of believers, by dying to ourselves, picking up our cross for the purposes and mission of Jesus to see people know and receive his love. I think Luke here isn't pointing that all believers should not have a personality of their own or should dress the same as the person on their right, but instead saying that the entire group of those who believed laid aside their pursuit of themselves, committed to one another for the collective pursuit of Jesus. So you may be sitting here thinking, that sounds great in theory, but in reality, commitment's scary, so I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to deny it. Commitment is definitely scary. When we put church family at the center of our lives, we are essentially opening up our lives in vulnerability to those we are journeying with. This can lead to hurt, to wounds, which are definitely some really scary stuff and are real. But church is not for the purposes of convenience relationship, but a mutual investment in one another and commitment for the cause of Christ. So when we talk about church at the center, following in the footsteps of what the early church did, we are committing through thick and thin, through the ups and downs for kingdom impact. When we do so, we actually get to experience what it means to be truly known and truly loved. We are one with one another. So how do we go about living on mission together with one heart, one mind, and holding all things in common? The best way to do so is through the everyday practice of intentional proximity. This means integrating aspects of our lives, our work, school, um, house, um, to be close to our church family and our mission field. If I use the term runner, would anyone know what that meant? 
Um, and no, I don't mean a cross-country star or a track runner like some in our church. When I say runner, I mean that I would come to gatherings on Sundays, um, run right when it ended. I would even intentionally come a little bit late, so I would be forced to sit in the back because there, all the front rows were taken. Philly, for those of you who don't know, um, or know Philly, um, can actually attest to this. She remembers sitting beside me um, and me leaving early before she can even introduce herself. So I actually did that for the first two years of my undergrad. And it wasn't actually in my until my third year. That's when everything changed. That's when I understood what it meant to be in a relationship with Jesus um, and who Jesus was in my life. And praise God for that. But I also knew um, that's when I knew what it meant to be um, part of a church family. So in my third year, I remember it distinctly that sometime in the new year, when people were applying for jobs and um, thinking about what they're going to do for the summer, uh, Robin actually came up to me and asked me what I was doing, um, if I was going home. And I told him, I remember it very clearly, I have a job back at home, but I cannot go back. And this was because home, even though home was great, I miss my parents. They're about four hours away. Um, I didn't have a church family back at home. I knew that if I went home, I would have a difficult time honoring God. Long story short, praise Jesus, I got a job working at Lyft, so, and here we are today. If we want to be a people living on mission together, we have to be close to our church family. In uh, 1 John 2, in the message version, um, verse 15, it says, don't love the world's way. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. The world is flashy, it's tempting, and it wants to squeeze our love out for the Father. So we need to intentionally place ourselves in the best situation to encourage each other, to remind each other when things are hard, to call out when we are loving the world when we need each other to live on mission together. That is why we live uh, in proximity to one another. If you're thinking about where you're gonna live next year, live with those in your Simple Church family. If you're thinking about a job for the summer, consider staying in your region for where you can live on mission with those in your church family. I pray that our church would be a family that continues to have one pursuit, the pursuit of Jesus and seeing people to know him. Together, I pray that many people would experience his love that we have already experienced. We live on mission with one another. So if point one is how we live on mission, 
which is with one another. Then in verse 34 and 35, it helps to explain who we live on mission for. It says, For there is not a needy person among them, because all those who own lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. We live on mission for others. Jesus' mission is for his people. People to know him, to acknowledge his love and his grace. These are only two verses, but they hold a lot of impact. It says there was not a needy person among them. How? All those who had sold, all those who had, had sold their lands and homes and gave it away as each person had any need. There were needs that were seen and there were responses given. Are we willing to sell our own possessions to meet the needs of others? We live as followers of Jesus. Um, when we live as followers of Jesus, it means that we love those around us to meet the needs of others. We give even when it hurts so that they may see Jesus. So you may be asking, how? How are we to do that? How are we to follow suit of the believers in these verses? And let me tell you, um, point one or two A, I guess, is that we live sacrificially. The everyday practice of sacrificial living is viewing our possessions and space as tools to build someone of eternal value. Something of eternal value, sorry. We give up personal success, comfort, and labor for those, uh, for others, to benefit for the sake of Jesus. So what tools do you have? Maybe it's your car, your finances, maybe it's your groceries, bringing something to dinner on Sundays. Um, maybe you have talent, skills, um, even time and emotional space that you're able to give to others. What are the tools that you have for others to know him? So if we live sacrificially on a related note, we live with open homes. This is the everyday practice of having our homes and lives open so people can be invited into relationship and see and experience Jesus. If we're not willing to sell our homes, how can we invite those in, into our homes? Your, ho your house can be a refuge for people um, who don't have a home or a safe space. Your home can be a place to gather, to teach, to lead people to Jesus. We are not to impress people, but to invite people into our space to know us and to experience Jesus. We invite to live on mission for Jesus. So in Living Scent, um, which is actually here, it's our discipleship uh, workbook that um, goes through much of what we're talking about um, and essentially what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. 
Um, if you are looking for a copy or looking for um, to really dive deep on what discipleship means, um, talk to your Simple Church leader, grab one on liftchurch.ca slash books. But it, in the section of um, Open Home, it asked the question, do you view your home or personal space as your own? How might you be more generous with it? I actually wanted to highlight someone in our church that um, uh, does this very well. There's so many people, um, but I wanted to highlight one person in particular, Gordon. Um, he is a master of hospitality and sacrifice. Um, I've seen him time and time again give up things that he owns and for the benefit of others. So if you have questions of what it looks like, please talk to Gordon or please talk to someone and um, uh, be encouraged about what it means to live on um, sacrificially, live open with your homes open. So I want us to take a moment, jot down some answers to what tools uh, that you might have and how might you be more open and generous with your home and with your space. As you do that, um, I actually want you to also do an internal check. Where is your heart at? Is your heart willing? Does living sacrificially, having your home open, feel like pulling teeth. It could be because maybe you're feeling a bit of lack, maybe uncertainty, maybe you even don't have mental and emotional space, um, or even a heart and heart. I am often guilty of that one. Going back to church family and why it's important, voice where your heart's at, acknowledge it, to others so that they can help. They can encourage you, challenge you, um, but ultimately so that God can change your heart. For there was not a needy person among them because all those who had owned lands and houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Who are those in need around you? Do we even see their needs? I actually wanted to shout out our church, our church family, um, especially this Thanksgiving. The amount of uh, dinners and fun things that are happening across um, all of our regions to make sure that each person who may not even have a place to go home um, had a family nearby to spend this weekend with. So thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. And I'm really excited to see the relationships that come out of um, this weekend. But we specifically as a church, we are a church that serves our campus. Do we see that our campuses are in need? People are looking for meaning, for purpose, a place to belong. I was tabling a few weeks ago and I was shocked at the amount of people who came up to, their, to our table at their own will to answer a question of where they would like to travel. Again, these people weren't even prompted to come up and write an answer down. They just came up in their own free will, just wanting to do it. I know this might be a silly example, but we felt the sense of people are 
yearning to uh, have a place to belong. What is your campus's spiritual needs? How are we going to respond? I wanted to highlight that it's not the job of our leaders, our Simple Church regional directors, our Simple Church leaders. It says all those who had land, own land, all who had held responsibility. Do you see that you are also part of the all? We have the hope of Jesus. It is each of our responsibility to see and respond and to distribute to each person as any has need. When we live on mission, we live on mission for others. So if we go back, um, how we live is with each other as a family. We live for others sacrificially so that they may see Jesus. The last point I want to highlight is that we live empowered by the Holy Spirit. In verse 33, it says, With great power, the apostles were given, giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was all on them. All of Acts, we see time and time again the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, in the lives of the believers. We read about speaking in tongues, healing, and even um, Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit as he spoke to the high priests um, when he was questioned earlier in this chapter. The Holy Spirit gives us power, a supernatural capacity to glorify God, edify the church, and see people know the name of Jesus. We see it here in verse 33, with great power, or we can even put it, with the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of Jesus, of the Lord. We cannot go without the Holy Spirit. We are given the authority by the Spirit to be representatives of Jesus. We are, giving, we are given the capabilities to live on mission for him. I think we can read this passage and see um, when people are selling their homes and their lands and uh, feel overwhelmed and think that we can't do it. But I want us to see that it is not in their own strength that they sell everything and give it, uh, give testimony, even potentially get arrested for what they believe in. But it's through the boldness given by the Holy Spirit. We can be promised, <clears throat> we are promised to be led, to be comforted, and that our value is eternity because of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we can go live boldly on mission because we have given the authority and the counselor to do it with us and to do so. John uh, 14, 26, <clears throat> it says, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So when we talk about passion for the loss as an everyday practice, it is really about the everyday empowering of the Holy Spirit so that people may know Jesus 
and know what he has done for us. In our human nature, we are passionate about ourselves. We are blinded to what we want and uh, try to get and see how we can get it. Whatever that may be, it may be success, money, relationships, wholeness. But we are called to be people who are passionate about others, passionate about the loss specifically, desiring to know, have them know the goodness of God. So what is your death to life story? How has your life been changed because of the goodness of Jesus? Who were the ones who were passionately wanting to see you become more fully alive in the hope of Jesus? In Acts 3, verse 6, um, this was obviously before Peter got arrested. Um, Peter and John got arrested. It says, a lame, a lame man was sitting begging for money. Um, but it says, Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. We may not be able to give everything, the physical needs of what is needed to those around us, but what we do have is the hope of Jesus. And he is able to bring the dead to life. Are we passionate to see the dead become fully alive in the hope of Jesus on our campuses? So how do we get to this place? How do we live empowered by the Holy Spirit? I want to highlight the everyday practice of spiritual hunger. This hunger is the fuel for our lives as a missional family. We must desire to grow close to, closer to God. We must feed our appetite for His desires. When we do so, we can't help but live missionally. This is very much a surrender thing. We must constantly surrender and be molded by God. Choose to desire God so that we are able to point people to Jesus. The other weekend I was serving at homecoming and I got to have a conversation with two girls and they asked if I was baptized. And I was like, yes, I've been baptized. They mentioned um, that they were, uh, they have gone to church. So I asked the question back, are you baptized? Their response was, I should be, but I'm scared. They were scared because they knew that their life had to change and look different, but they were also uncertain of what that would look like. They weren't wrong. Living on mission wasn't easy. Sometimes it's uncertain, it's hard, it's challenging. We live lives that are opposite of what the world tells um, us to live like. It says people sold their homes for the sake of others. But do you know and do you see that Jesus is better? That through him, we can take comfort in knowing we have purpose, we are loved, we are free from fear. We need to choose every day to be dependent on him, be spiritually hungry, eagerly being reminded of the promises and joy that God has given us. 
So very practically, how do we do that? Um, number one, or point A, three of A, <laughs> we pray. We pray in faith. We pray um, for God's grace and power. We pray for his desire to be our own. We pray so that our hearts will be aligned to his. Point B, uh, very practically, daily devos. Um, through his word, we get to know um, who God is. Use this time to surrender and to submit your own desires and try to see what Jesus is trying to say in your life. We live on mission with one another for the sake of others and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I love how this passage ends. Um, it seems kind of random, but it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, and one of the apostles, and one the apostles called Barnabas, translated the son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Again, it's kind of it seems kind of random, but I actually think it ties up these few verses perfectly. I actually see many people in our church like Joseph. Chris from Brock, Obria from York, Charlotte from McMaster, Holly from Mohawk, Andrew from UTM, Key from Guelph. They gave what they had and laid it at the apostles' feet. I pray that our church, Live Church, a church on campus, gave what they had laid it at the apostles' feet to distribute to those of any who had need. Let's pray, church. Lord, thank you so much um, for our church family here. Um, thank you that we get to journey with one another, that we get to live on mission uh, together, to encourage each other, to challenge each other, Lord. I pray that you would just continue to bless our church. Thank you that you are building your church and that we get to uh, just work alongside you. I pray that we would just be reminded of why we do what we do. Um, we do it for glorifying you um, and so that others may know um, who you are and experience the great joy that we have experienced and get to experience every day. Lord, I pray that we as a church would be so empowered by the Holy Spirit that we would see people um, giving testimony out of boldness, that people would be healed, Lord, that we would um, just continue to see your works in through our church um, and in the, our campuses around us. Lord, I pray that um, everything that we do, that it be honoring and glorifying to you. And thank you that, again, we get to live on mission together. I pray that today, this weekend, that you would be glorified in the things that we do, that we would live sacrificially and openly um, so that people can know who you are. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for much, so much for, um, yeah, just being on the stream with me. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I pray that you have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time with your church family, your friends, your family, um, biologically, and um, be blessed.
Have a great Thanksgiving.